0: What? It was over? I have no idea. But it en- did end up with Tolbert McCoy and two of his brothers stabbing Ellison 26 times and then shooting him once in attempt to finish him off. You know, this reminds me of those
1: radiant quests in Skyrim where, like, there's only, like, four potential things and they just put them in different orders. So it's like, there is a thing you have to steal in such place. And it's, just, it's this. It's like, ah, oh, yes, yeah, Election Day... <laughs> um, meeting someone from the other family There's only like a couple of set events and places And you just try to put them in different orders
0: Welcome to We Talk About Dead People A podcast where we talk about dead people I'm your host Aaron C and I'm here with my good friend and co-host George Say hi George Hey hey Hey, we hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down various members of the odd and exciting and sometimes awful family that is humanity. The way this works is that George and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in the life of a now dead person and give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is always hard to do. And we always try anyway. So, George, who do we have this week?
1: This week, we have the tale of the Hatfields who make those sausage things you cook in the microwave, and the McCoys, a story that in many ways is reminiscent of the whole Wyatt Earp situation, by which I mean that everything about it is really friggin' suspicious and it kind of sounds like something someone in Hollywood made up, but apparently is real. But you have to convince me of that.
0: Uh, yeehaw. Well,
1: you know, you chose this path, man. It was your week to pick.
0: Yeah, and we were going to talk about the world's most famous famous family feud at some point anyway, so I just figured, why the hell not this week? So, I think we'd ought to get down to the history lab to try and figure out just what the hell happened with that pig! Wait, wait what pig? Uh, tune in to find out. <laughs> In a world where Kevin Costner both played Wyatt Earp and Devilance Hatfield in Hollywood movies, one podcast stood up and said, wait, what? Join us as we dive into the mountainous and often bizarre story of the Hatfield and McCoy feud, a legend from the time of the settlers that just makes everyone look bad. So, George, if there was one family you would have a feud with tomorrow, who is that family, and what would be your first strike?
2: Hmm,
1: that is a tough one. Let's see. Um, I mean, my first inclination was going to be, like, the Clintons, because just fuck them. <laughs> and if that was the case, my first strike would obviously be to kill myself with three shots to the back of the head. <laughs> and what about you, Aaron? <laughs> who would you that feud
0: was- with? that was delivered like a fucking pro well if, if you're going for the clintons i'm going for the bushes all right perfect like it, it, just get them both while we're at it let's have the feud right now like let's go man and you know the great thing about the bushes is that right now they don't have the entire like united states military might and intelligence might allegedly um to bring to bear against my family but my family you know we have that the bushes don't have we have love. <laughs> so we'll win every time! <laughs> because love is the most powerful force in the world. Uh, I think we established, though, that the, the, the most powerful force in the world was the Rock of Truth on the Ceaușescu series, but love is good, too.
1: I mean, it's all right.
0: <laughs> of course, not really that you or I would, would know that. <laughs> Literally, we just spitballed
1: here. We have no idea what the hell we're talking about.
0: Don't don't know what love is. Just I want to know what love is. I don't want you to show me, but maybe someday someone else can. <laughs> I love grilled cheese. Ugh, love is is the cheesy goo that let's, holds let's us ju- all let, together. Let's just let's,
1: <laughs> let's stop this before this goes any further. Um, I'm I'm not okay. entirely comfortable with where this whole weird analogy is going. So I ju- I <laughs> did right. just
0: eat so. That's okay. So, I was gonna say, uh, we should bring up today's grilled cheese, uh, and get started on this episode. So, computer, please bring up the William Anderson Hatfield, um, THE William Anderson Hatfield, otherwise known as Devil Ants. Affirmative, my lord. Okay, there we go. There's the, the man himself. So George, would you please do us all a favor and describe the man in the picture below? I mean I'll I'll try.
1: is is the man behind the sort of hunched goblin?
0: <laughs> no, that is the oh, man. Oh. The goblin is the man. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. um so there's a goblin um, <laughs> by which I mean there's a a man with a a very, very worn, beaten looking face. like if his face was a tire, it would not pass inspection for highway driving. Like, this, this, it's got, it's somehow both wrinkled, but also worn smooth. I I can't really describe it, but, like, he looks like he's been out in the weather a lot, and he has this just, like, ridiculously sort of protruding brow and nose line that sort of seem to stick out in front of his face a lot, like, vaguely, vaguely goblin-like, which is kind of where I was going with that, and his hair is define all known laws of physics and that it seems to simultaneously be combed in every direction, but he's also balding. Like, I, I'm as someone was also kind of balding, I should probably take some cues from this, because I, I want that look. Like, with what little I have left, that's what it should be. Um, and he's got a beard. Um, it's a little bit asymmetrical, I think, but he probably doesn't have mirrors wherever, you know, Goblin Town is. Um, his eyes are kind of surprising to me. Like, he doesn't look... The eyes don't look as evil as the rest of him. Like, the rest of him looks kind of orc-like, but the eyes actually look a little bit, like, kind. Serious, but kind. Like, like sort of like a a, a stern but loving grandpa.
2: And he's wearing
1: <laughs> looks like a very, very coarse black wool coat. Um, so probably out in the weather a lot, like I said. Uh, it's only a shoulders-up photo, so I can't really tell you anything else about his stature. He's not wearing a tie, so he hasn't sold out to the corporate overlords, which is always <laughs> nice to see. And uh, he has really big ears. So, yeah, the, the, the <laughs> goblin persona is definitely kind of the predominant note here, but it's not entirely bad. Like, I like I like the lack of tie. That's good. Don't sell out, man. Um, the eyes are nice. But, yeah, the rest of it is kind of a mess. I'm not going to lie.
0: Definite Keebler-Elf looking dude. <laughs> Like if I saw this guy near my cookies, I would be like, worried. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a, that was a very good description. I feel. Um, when I first saw a picture of this man, I thought it was a drawing of like a, a dwarf from the Lord of the Rings or something. I, I could see um, that. I could see that. Yeah. But he is very much not a dwarf, and we will be getting into this. Uh, How tall? Do, do you have his height? These I do have his height. Ooh. Um, he, well, I think I have his height. I have his dad's height.
1: (laughs) I mean, I guess we could kind of, you know, speculate from that because genetics are a thing, but, uh, it's not exactly a 100% shot on that.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, no, he was a big boy. I do know that much, but his, uh, his dad was legendary. We'll talk about it. So... Yes, today we will be talking about the Hatfield-McCoy feud and all the bullshit associated with it. I'm sure just every single listener out there is so excited, just just biting at the bit to get to this one, to hear about the hillbillies who killed each other over nothing. Um, but That's right, I, I all would... you
1: coastal elites, stay tuned in.
0: <laughs> they're, they're listening now, they love that Hatfield-McCoy shit, we'll get into that, trust me. Um, so that's that's why I want to start largely by saying, uh, and I will make this clear, as always, this story is very, very complicated. In fact, it's so complicated, I don't even know how to begin exactly. Uh, like, I was reading up on this, watching documentaries, digging through lineages and dynasties and all kinds of information like that to try and find a line to follow... And because there's so many lines to follow in this one, I feel like Space Dandy when he pulls the cosmic stream string and meets all the other Space Dandies. Wait, what? Have you have you ever watched Space Dandy? No. Uh it's okay. It's, I mean I love it, but you'd probably you probably not like it very much. But there's a scene where the main character finds like a literal cosmic string and he pulls it and it's sort of like uh He gets to meet all the other different versions of himself in different universes and stuff like that. It's really strange. That
1: just sounds like mushrooms
0: with extra steps. That's what this story feels like. (laughs) So, uh, in order to make sure I don't go hog wild with this story, as one might say, I have decided to follow the line of William Anderson Hatfield, otherwise known as Devil Ants. And in order to deal properly with this devil, we shall give the devil his due and begin with a little context on his early life.
1: Are we uh, Are we going to find out why he's called Devil Lance? We will. Okay. There's
0: many reasons for him to being called Devil Lance. Okay, well, I, uh, I can't wait. Yeah, get, get ready. Um, this story takes place in the mountains near the border between Kentucky and Virginia during and immediately following the American Civil War. So... George, picture with me, if you will, beautiful mountain ranges, bubbling streams, vast breathing forests, and a smattering of ramshackle hillbilly huts pumping out moonshine and incest. Or maybe don't imagine that last part, though. Um,
1: well, because I don't have to imagine it. I've literally, you know, been there. I've spent a lot yeah, of time uh, in Kentucky in my life.
0: Oh yeah. Also, Kentucky is best real.
1: TV series of the past ten years without question, Justified. Is in eastern Kentucky?
0: Nice. Well, wait why why is it a good like why is it a good show oh it's just
1: really really well done and it doesn't follow like the normal crime show stereotypes of taking place in los angeles las vegas or new york and so it's kind of it's kind of a welcome reprieve
2: oh
0: that sounds like a like a freaking relief okay so we're in the we're in the mountains we're near the streams um it's uh it's just beautiful and somehow the hillbillies have found their way here.
1: <laughs> so you know, I'm going to punch you right in your fucking face through the screen one of these days, you goddamn coastal elite bastard.
0: Uh you don't I don't think you know what's coming. You're you're reading a little too a little too not well, how should I put this? You're not reading far ahead enough. So hold off on punching me in the face, you bastard. You're the one you're the one who needs to wait cuz I get right on the hillbilly thing, don't you worry. So that's another thing, actually. That's another thing that actually It's like well, I'll get into it. You'll see. <laughs> so this is this is the world to which Devil Ants was <laughs> the which Devil Ants was born on September 9th, 1839. To Ephraim and Nancy Hatfield. And Ephraim uh, was known as F of All or Big F because he was a big man. <laughs> and that's about it. That makes sense and when you think about it. Yeah, and his wife, Nancy, however, was a thrice-married, traumatized woman whose dad had been shot dead for getting a girl pregnant and refusing to marry her. Uh, and according to her headstone, because I was I was really looking into all the primary sources, <laughs> uh, according to her headstone, she had also watched her first husband get killed by natives before she was kidnapped by the same natives. And then she eventually somehow got away and married some rando for a bit before she met a mountain of a mountain man named Ephraim Hatfield, who she married literally, literally, because he was over six feet tall and weighed 300 pounds. I mean, that's every
1: woman's dream, isn't it?
0: I mean, it's... Yeah, sure. But he's also called... If your weight doesn't start with three, don't even talk to me. (laughs) I mean, every every woman wants a big F, Let's let's be honest here uh press f to pay respects all right anyway so (laughs) big f and nancy are the parents of this man devil ants and i know we're already hitting you might say hillbilly levels that shouldn't be possible but please hold on to your hatfield it gets worse so according to the official narrative devil ants grew up in a place called tug river valley with a bunch of other hatfields west of said tug river And at the time, Tug served as a hard boundary, or the Tug you might say, served as a hard boundary between Virginia and Kentucky. And Devil Ants was one of the 18 children in the big as F Hatfield family, and stood out from the group because of his abilities in marksmanship and horse riding. So, not so bad so far. So we don't know too much about his early life, because uh, apparently hillbillies aren't great at collecting a lot of data. I, I use the word hillbilly a lot, but I'll, I I swear to God, I'll pay for it at the end. So, anyway. I was just going to say, like, do you have any other words
1: in your vocabulary?
0: Uh, redneck, but I don't like that What one. about rustics? <laughs> Ooh, the rustics. Somebody called That's me good. a rustic this week. I've never been... What does that mean, exactly? A hillbilly. But, like, in a nice way, Right. Uh, probably depends on the tone. If something is referred
1: to as Rustic, it's usually good. If a person is referred to as A-Rustic, it's usually
0: not good. How did you get labeled that? <laughs> because
1: I work with coastal elites, Aaron. Haven't you been listening?
0: Oh, wait. So they they're, they don't like you? They call you a Rustic?
1: I mean, it was mostly joking, but yeah. No, everyone knows I'm the outlier because I'm not a not one of them coastal elite folks.
0: I can I can feel the rage through the ear earphones right now. Um, you're gonna you're gonna really like the end of this one. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> we don't know a lot about them. A lot about any of this. We do know that they had nearly 20 kids. So that keep, you know, keeping records when you have a you know full sized army on your uh, under your belt, you might say, um, is uh, it's just hard to keep records. So. The first official account we have of Devilance at all is when he got married at 22 years of age to his neighbor's daughter who was named Levesy Chafin. Um, But he didn't spend a lot of time with her because it was 1861 and war was beginning. Uh, Devilance Hatfield, of course, wanted to be a part of this Boogaloo so he immediately signed up to fight for the Confederacy. And he was commissioned as a First Lieutenant of Cavalry and was assigned to defend the Virginia State Line in 1862. This lasted less than a year before his unit was disbanded. Fortunately, or unfortunately, depends on which uh, side of the Mason-Dixie line you live on, Devil Ants was still in the habit of killing Yankees, even though his unit was disbanded. Uh, He, uh, Ants, and his uncle Jim Vance... ...organized a local militia designed to harass Union troops and patrol the border for bushwhackers, uh, doing all that kind of shit, and they called themselves the Logan Wildcats. This is still the official narrative. I, I love the, I love the word
1: bushwhacker. It's a great word.
0: I was so pleased I got to use it in here. <laughs> bushwhacker. Oh, I remember there's,
1: there was some song from, like, I think we had a tape from, like, the 70s of cowboy songs, and it had this song called The Bushwhacker Country. And I still have very fond memories of driving out through the desert in an old pickup truck with my dad with this, like, ancient cassette playing cowboy songs, and I can still remember the Bushwhacker country.
0: That's badass. I like that. So anyway, <clears throat> hey, maybe you could find the tape we'll put on the show sometime. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's probably still in that truck somewhere.
0: Yep, dig. Dig, son, you have a job now. All right, so we had the, uh, the Logan Wildcats. And one of the targets of these Wildcats, this this Confederate adjacent little platoon, uh, was Asa Harmon McCoy. Um, there were, he was a target numero uno for Devil Ants and his Wildcats. And Asa Harmon McCoy was a man who fought for the Union and was on it was home on furlough. Uh, when when the attack would come, so Asa joined his own was in his own little you know wildcat style group known as the Pike County Guards, which was led by a, a a man named William Francis, who will come up later. The Pike County Guards were responsible for an attack on a man named Mose Christian Klein, which ended with Mose being badly wounded but ultimately not dead. And I want you to just remember that name, Klein. Small. Okay? Got it. That's what it means? Yeah, Klein. Uh. It just
1: it's changed the spelling of German. K-L-E-I-N. Klein. Small. Mm,
0: interesting. I didn't know Klein was small. Um. Alright, so the problem for the Pike County Guards was that Mose was allegedly really good friends. This is the official story. Mose Klein was really good friends with our guy Devil Ants. And the story is that when Ants heard of this assault on his friend Moe's Klein, he vowed retaliation against everyone who had been involved. William Francis, the leader of the uh, Pike County Guards, was soon ambushed and killed at his own home, and Ants would claim responsibility for the killing and say it was because they had hurt his friend Moe's Klein. We could just
1: start calling him Little Moe.
0: Little Moe? That'd be pretty funny. Um, so, not long after this, Ace McCoy was ambushed and killed at home, allegedly by Jim Vance, uncle of Devil Ants Hatfield. But these were all wartime killings, so the bad blood that arose between the Hatfields and the McCoys because of this was only at a mere simmer. It was like, well, yeah, we're you know, at know, war. It happened. Brother brother. like, yeah. Yeah. Um it's not like we're specifically targeting people for some kind of uh gain of some kind. Uh it wouldn't be until later according to the official story that they would finally declare war on each other and the reasons for it are all kind of silly and don't make any sense because the official story doesn't make any sense. So when the war was over according to the official story. Devil so went where home. is this
1: official story you keep referencing? What do you mean by that?
0: This is coming from like the fucking Hatfield and McCoy fan sites. <laughs> uh, like this is this is the stuff the, that there people are fan like. sites. There are fan sites. Wow, i have yeah. been
1: on the wrong parts of the no. internet this whole time.
0: Bitch, there are theme parks.
1: Oh, we're I, not there yet. Hell yeah. Hell yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> we talk They're about dead people
1: staff meeting at the Hatfield McCoy theme park. <laughs> Do it. Be there. Or
0: be <laughs> square. Um. So yeah, the official narrative, this is what the Hatfield-McCoy, like, foundation or whatever the fuck is putting out there, okay? Uh, So this is the one that, that, uh, this is the one that the movies and the television shows and all of the Hollywood bullshit, uh, looks like. This is what you'll find on, like, Wikipedia, okay? Um, so when the war was over, according to the official narrative, Devil Ants went home to his farm and started a family, eventually having... 13 children with his wife, Leviza. Lavisa, I don't even know. And it's around this time that he started his own, his very own timber business and bought a bunch of land, eventually carving out a comfy little life and finding financial success. The problem was, Devil Ants was an asshole. Um, so Ant starts a timber business, right? And he's like, I'm, I'm selling wood. It's all good. I'm becoming rich and... You know, everyone can prosper. Well, unless you do a little digging, you can't really find out the exact reason why he got the name Devil Ants, but it was basically that he was the fucking devil. Um, he put he took people to court over bullshit all the time. He filed suits over virtually anything he could. And often one, because he was basically super petty about these cases, and a lot of the um the uh legal jobs, you might say, out there were occupied by Hatfields. So there's one example that you'll see, you know, referenced, vaguely referenced, about, you know, Ants suing a guy for allegedly stealing timber from his property, saying that this man was, like, undermining his company's profits by doing so. Like, the guy was just gathering wood. So, you know, it's like it's legally a case, but, like, it's still bullshit. So, in the official narrative, the fact that ants couldn't look the other way for such minor infractions is a good indicator of why Devil Ants was called Devil Ants.
1: I think I vaguely remember reading about this and that it's, re- as like you said, it's not really clear, but I think there was also something, didn't he have like an uncle or a second cousin or something who was also named William Anderson Hatfield, who was a yes. preacher who they called Preacher yes. Ants? And so to contrast yes. the, the weird evil one from the preacher one, they called him Devil Ants? yes.
0: That's right. Okay. We're gonna get I'm there. glad I
1: didn't make that up, because that just came no. that came into my head.
0: You didn't, and that's one of the very suspicious parts of this story. So, um, anyway, so, uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, so, obviously Devil Lance is not a, uh, he's not operating in good faith, you might say, with his timber business. So, 13 years go by following the killing of Asa McCoy, which was during the Civil War. And that was sort of the one event that people are like, Yeah, this is what made the McCoys hate the Hatfields. Like, Devil Ants killed Asa in the Civil War. Um, and Devil Ants, for 13 years, is just, you know, he killed the guy and now he's running his business and legally fucking anyone who gets in his way. And mostly McCoys because they're just the nearest target. Um, and the Hatfields and the McCoys, once merely divided by the tug the Tug River are slowly beginning to become divided by hatred. And this is where I was going to have our honorable mention, but something kind of crazy happened this week that makes me believe that uh, aliens are real. Care to care to fill us in there, George?
1: Alright, so yeah, so I wrote a, um, a fairly lengthy honorable mention for this week about a very fascinating character uh, by the name of Dan Sickles, who's a Civil War general, and This is someone Aaron did not know who it was. Like, Aaron doesn't know anything about Dan Sickles. We never talked about Dan Sickles. I don't think he's ever been mentioned on the show, but he's someone I've been interested in, and so I wrote an honorable mention about him. But when I told Aaron just about an hour ago that that's the honorable mention I wrote, Aaron had some startling news.
0: Yes, the stars all aligned. I literally got a request to cover Dan Sickles this past week, and I didn't tell George. So as a result,
1: so I, um, the honorable mention I wrote is being shelved until such time as I can expand it into a full episode because it just absolutely bonkers that that coincidence happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty weird. It is, a, it is a mighty surprising coincidence, isn't it? Um, just just very, very surprising that on the day when I would write a largely uh, for a shortened episode, we would just not have an honorable mention. So we're going to run terribly under time today unless we pad this out but uh i'm not going to make that a focus i think we should just get back to devil ants and start and uh keep tearing away at this all right let's do it so in 1878 devil Ants' cousin floyd uh was accused uh, floyd hatfield was accused of stealing a hog from a mccoy named randall who was the uh the patriarch of the uh the um McCoy family. Well, it just so happened that the justice of the peace in the area was uh, Devil Ants's other cousin, Preacher Ants Hatfield. So you've got Devil Ants and Preacher Ants who are allegedly two different guys, but I I wonder. <laughs> so the Hatfields. <laughs> this story is so oh okay. So the Hatf- uh, we'll get into it. So the Hatfields are set to defend their relative, the pig stealing Floyd, um, with the accuser being a McCoy. They accused. Uh, the accused being a Hatfield, and the judge at the trial also being, you guessed it, a Hatfield. Preacher Ants. And he was the upstanding Ants, and he sees that there's a lot of potential for a lot of problems at this trial, and he decides that it would only be fair if uh, six of the jury members were Hatfields, and the other six were McCoys. I mean, that that sounds reasonable to me. Sounds reasonable to me, too? Um, but even with this precaution, Floyd Hatfield was still acquitted of his grand theft hoggo... <laughs> <laughs> and the McCoys, now deprived of their bacon, are furious. Um. So Floyd got away with the bacon. The hog could like feed a family for like, you know, a week or a month. I don't even know, because I am I eat bacon right out of the Oscar Mayer package. So I don't, I don't know this shit. Um, Disgusting. But anyway. You've
1: never even been at a hog butchering, have you? No, I haven't. Wow. Never once. We, we really need to send you like away from the metropolis to get some real world experience.
0: Dude, I'm literally in a trailer on farmland right now. So <laughs> Then why are you
1: not butchering a hog as we speak?
0: Uh, Because I'm vegan. Just kidding. Come on, I'm not vegan. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. All right. So the case ha- uh, was won in the Hatfield's favor, largely because of the testimony of a third party named Bill Statton, who was a relative of both families and had
1: skin in both games. So which family did he go to for Thanksgiving? That's
0: the real uh, question. That's that is the real question. And how many Christmases did he have? You know, mm, mm, mm. none thirty. <laughs> so, uh, nonetheless, many McCoys blamed the Hatfields for the whole ordeal, and the division deepens. And 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 you can see why. Like, they the Hatfields have been assholes to them for a while. They've been killing. They killed Asa during the war. Um, You know, it ain't good. So. All friendly contact stops after this, and there's no fighting yet, Uh, and the situation stays in the low-key hate zone for about two years. Classic, classic low-key hate zone. We've all been there. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Then two things happen in close proximity that make the situation unsustainably stupid. Okay, so first, two McCoys kill Bill Statton in the June of 1880. Uh, Allegedly, uh, as revenge for the, the whole pig affair. It was ruled as a self-defense, uh, but, you know, the other guy was dead, so there wasn't much to go on except for the word of the, the two McCoys.
1: So the, uh, the, the narrative is that he attacked even though they outnumbered him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, I see. I
0: see. <laughs> this story is so fucking stupid. So secondly, um, Devil Ants' son, Johns, I don't get what these Johns ants, um, Johns started fooling around with Rosanna McCoy, the daughter of Randall McCoy, the patriarch of the McCoy clan. And hilariously, one article I read stated that this love affair was the Appalachian Romeo and Juliet, which is one of the funniest and stupidest things I've ever heard. Um, I don't know if you have a reaction to that. That. Uh... So were they 13?
1: Uh, no. Okay, <laughs> then it was not the the Appalachian Romeo and Juliet, if they weren't 13.
0: They weren't 13. But somebody else was, and we'll get there. What? We'll get there. You'll see what I'm talking about. Okay, that, so, that was weird and it hurt my ears. I'm sorry. I'm 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 really trying to. I, I'm real, this one fucked me up. This is like the most. All right. When you read history, sometimes you're like, all of this is made up and fake. And with this one, it was just just the number of stupid things that kept happening. All right, if so you read, Apple, if you read too deeply into history, history reads back into you it's true <laughs> so Johnson Rosanna, uh the Appalachian Romeo, and Juliet bumped into each other on election day eighteen eighty at the polls at Blackberry Creek and immediately just hit it off. The,
1: nothing good starts at the polls. Let me
0: tell you why uh, exactly. they met each other at the polling station in eighteen eighty like and then they, the same day they ran away together. Um, so uh, Rosanna...
1: Kids really do be just and don't they?
0: They do. So Rosanna ended up running off with Johns back to the Hatfield Land, or as I say, Hatfield Land, uh, where they lived together for a while, much to the chagrin of both families. The field of hat. <laughs> the field of hat. Um, so Rosanna got knocked up, unfortunately, and it seems like Johns wanted to marry her to make it right or whatever. But Devil Anse wasn't having it, and neither was, you know, Randall McCoy. It wasn't. And by the way, it's either Randall, Randolph, Randolfo. Like, the name changes depending on the source. It's, it's ridiculous.
1: I'm just going to guess it's not Randolfo.
0: Yeah, I, it, I made that last one up. Okay, but I was going to
1: because maybe that goes back to the Romeo and Juliet thing. Maybe we are actually dealing with, like, Renaissance Italian nobles here.
0: Yeah, baby. So, (laughs) Rosanna left the Hatfields to go live with her aunt in Kentucky, uh, still with child, and she and Johns would secretly meet up, though. On one of these occasions, Johns was arrested by a group of McCoys who were trying to cash in on a warrant that Johns had out on him for bootlegging. Rosanna heard about this and made an alleged desperate midnight ride to tell Devil Ants that his son was in trouble and that... He had to rise up and save his son from her people who were going to kill him. Yeah, kind of hurts, doesn't it? So Devil Ants organized, was, you know, (laughs) these McCoy men are dangerous. So he organizes a Uh, Savages,
1: savages, barely even human, (laughs) savages. Sorry, great Disney song.
0: Yeah. uh, (laughs) oh, Oh, yes, we'll get to the Disney, don't worry. So Devil Ants Orc does indeed organize a posse to go out and rescue Johns from his McCoy captors, and the posse ended up finding Johns uh, and these McCoys, and no shots were fired, uh, but the McCoys were qu- quickly surrounded and had to give up their hostage in order to survive. Oh, they, d- they didn't was... even
1: fight, and that's kind of cringe.
0: No, they didn't f- <laughs> Very cringe. So, Johns uh, was taken back to the Land of Hat, or the Field of Hat, um, where he was sternly reprimanded for, you know, being doing such a fool thing and getting involved with a McCoy girl. And like, look at all that happened. Like, we had to go embarrass ourselves. Or, you know, all that good stuff. So, Johns decides, ah, well, I'll just abandon Rosanna with the child and never speak to her again. So, you know, that's, uh, that's what he did. So, Rosanna did eventually have the child, but the baby only lived for about eight months and was rejected by both families anyway. Aww. And Rosanna, yeah, I know. Rosanna would die shortly after this, from what amounted to grief. And Johns would then go on to marry her cousin, Nancy McCoy, less than a year later. He just doesn't
1: fucking learn, does he?
0: No. So at this point in my research, though, I thought to myself, this shit just feels completely made up. In 1882, once again, coincidentally on Election Day, Devil Anse's brother Ellison got into a fight with Randall McCoy's son Tolbert. What it was over, I have no idea. But it en- did end up with Tolbert McCoy and two of his brothers stabbing Ellison 26 times and then shooting him once in an attempt to finish him off. You know, this reminds me of those radiant quests
1: in Skyrim where, like, there's only like four potential things and they just put them in different orders. So it's like there is a Thing you have to steal in such place and it's just it's this it's like ah oh yes election day um, <laughs> meeting someone from the other family there's only like a couple of set events and places and you just try to put them in different orders
0: they just repeat over and over again and nobody likes it because it's boring as fuck yeah um, <laughs>
1: you're finally awake
0: <laughs> so they were uh, of course the guys who did the stabbings the, uh, the McCoys um, uh, getting arrested but uh, Devil Lance wasn't allowed to, about to let the law handle these murderers, even though all the policemen who arrested McCoys were Hatfields. Um, so Devil Lance organized another posse to go out and capture these three McCoys uh, to bring them back to the land of Hat, which they did. And the three McCoys were held hostage in Hatland. And their mom, Sally McCoy, made a desperate attempt to get her sons back by riding into Hatland and directly appealing to the devil ants himself. Don't kill my boys, she said. They didn't do anything wrong. They only stabbed your son twenty-six times. That is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but he would Ants had was having none of it. And when Ellison, who was, I'm sorry, it wasn't his son, it was his brother, and Devalance's brother ended up dying from his 26 stabs and gunshot injury, Devalance had all three brothers tied up to pawpaw bushes and shot 50 times. Okay. This move, well then. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, uh. Here, here's where we are. Um, so this move was widely accepted as an appropriate punishment, but it was still technically murder. I
1: mean, who cares about technicalities? It's uh, the current year,
0: 1882. <laughs> so anyway. <clears throat> imagine still
1: lo- caring about the law in 1882.
0: <laughs> For real, though. <laughs> um. Anyway, so most of the law enforcement was indeed composed of Hatfields, so Devil Ants didn't get arrested, neither did any of his compatriots who killed the McCoy boys. So the McCoys are, of the course, Really? The McBoys. The well, what? The McBoys. The McBoys? <laughs> The McCoys are, of course, really pissed off. And they remain pissed off for five straight years while the Hatfields just go on business as usual, running their timber company and shooting people and, you know, um, doing all the awful things that, you know, they do. The McCoys, however, have some connections. And they began working with their connections to try and bring uh, the hammer down on devil ants. And one of the people they start working with is a man named Perry Klein. Perry Small.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. who, was, who was
0: married to a McCoy. And this is where everything starts to get really weird. I mean, it's been weird up to this point, but now we're getting into like Wyatt Earp territory weird. And I really mean that. So too. I'm just so, going to
1: guess this Klein is related to Moses Klein.
0: Yeah, Mose. Yeah. He's related to Mose. Um,. And they have a whole website for their family tree. It's very interesting. So anyway, do you remember what I said about Devil Ant suing a guy for stealing timber from his property? I think I do. That man was Perry Klein. Mm. And Perry Perry Klein is the biggest missing piece in this whole story. Wow. And that's Sorry, why?
1: Can you hear the train?
0: Fuck. The, yeah, yeah because
1: I'm just looking at my audio and it's there's just this amazingly high baseline audio as this train rumbles by.
0: It's a synchronicity. It's God telling us that the bill is coming like a train in the night.
1: That's in the uh, Bible, folks.
0: It, it's in the Bible. <laughs> there are trains in the Bible, right? Train up a child the way he should go. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was, pretty, that was pretty good, right? <laughs> that, was, that was that
1: was pretty good. I'll I'll give you that
0: one. Is your uh is your Bible train still going by? I can't hear anymore. Yep. So yeah, I, I
1: can, yeah. So I can see everything in my apartment slightly shaking.
0: Mm, wow. Yeah, no, it's I'm so...
1: I'm really close to the train tracks, and so when the heavy trains go by, I can see everything vibrating. Like my mic in front of me is vibrating.
0: This is kind of cozy. I don't know. It's the espresso machine. It's the trains going by. All the you know the glassware rattling in the cabinet. You know, <laughs> occasionally things falling off the walls. <laughs> the sights and sounds of we talk about dead people. <laughs> Uh, I guess we could just chill for a second.
1: This is real. So I'm just, it's really cool watching my audio go up and down with the, the train. Wow. Sound is real.
0: What was that? What's that uh, condition called where you can see sounds or
1: something? Oh, um. Synesthesia. We're, yeah, we're, no, it's like sounds have colors. Yeah. Yeah,
0: synesthesia. That's fascinating to me.
1: I wonder what yeah, color the rattle of a train going
0: by is. Uh, the exact red of a Trump hat.
1: <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna think black, like that good Kentucky coal.
0: Oh, there was also a, uh, um, there's also a reference to the ringwraiths in the Lord of the Rings is like roaring by like a locomotive or something like that. That always sat with me wrong because I'm like, but there weren't locomotives in Middle Earth, or were there? I don't know. The dwarves might have had trains.
1: If anyone did, it would have been that.
0: Yeah, that's a great sound, though.
1: (laughs) I should just go, like, bring my computer outside with the. Put the. Set the mic up outside just to get train
0: sounds. (laughs) You should do that right now. (laughs) That would be quite the experience for the listeners to just listen to you.
1: (laughs) That would require putting pants on, though. Or would it? (laughs) <laughs> Why is there a man without pants standing by the tracks? <laughs> <laughs> with a laptop and a... a <laughs> laptop. Why is he smoking a... Why is he vaping? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, dude. The notorious pantsless vapor.
0: I saw a guy smoking a pipe at Walmart today. Nice. He nice. was on his break, and he was just puffing away at a pipe, and I'm like, that's so weird to see, but an old guy with a beard. Nice. A little bit looking like devil ants. Hmm.
1: Mm. God, this is
0: a long train. This is a long train. Okay, train is passed. Okay, because we're it's good because we're about to get into some weird shit here. Okay, so where did we stop? For the- we stopped with Devolant suing a guy for stealing timber from his property. Yes. Yes, that man was Perry Klein, and he's like I was saying, Perry Klein is the biggest missing piece in this whole story, and is definitely the most controversial character in Hatfield McCoy lore. Like people don't even like talking about him. Uh, they want him so far away from this, I don't know, I don't know why, but except that it actually exp- explains why this feud was so brutal. It wasn't just a pig. And I had no idea the, the Hatfield-McCoy uh, feud was a rabbit hole when I started getting into it, but it's a rabbit hole. Um, so I'll just share some of what I learned. So <clears throat> Perry Klein was a descendant of a German uh, settler named Peter Klein. Who was a successful and fairly wealthy landowner? Perry Klein's father was Jacob Rich Jake Klein. He was called Rich Jake because he had a whole bunch of land passed down to him all the way from the original immigrant Peter Klein. And it was a plot of about 5,000 acres right there uh, in the uh, Kentucky, Virginia area. So Rich Jake and his wife Nancy died. While Perry Klein was young and left all their kids an inheritance of all their land divided between them. The plot was disputed, however, mm. by one Devil Ants. <gasps> Shocking. Yeah. So Devil Ants was very sure that part of Perry Klein's land was actually his. Which is why he sued Perry Klein for the aforementioned wood theft. Um, so what's fucked is going and reading all the legal documents surrounding this accusation. Firstly, the lawsuit was a response to an accusation from Perry Klein that it was, in fact, Devil Ants who was the one trespassing on his territory and selling his timber for his timber business. Devil Ants claimed that he had surveyed this land himself and had determined that some of Perry's land actually belonged to him. And the thing is, Devil Ants could actually neither read nor write and had no experience in surveying. The Kleins, however, had paid an actual surveyor to plot out their land that they legally owned long before Devil Ants even started stealing from Perry Klein and the Klein Estate. Are you tracking with me?
1: I'm tracking, but I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily trust 19th century surveyors. Do you know, no, I mean, uh, you know how Idaho is really weird shaped, and it gets really, uh, really think of Idaho—it gets super, yeah, super yeah. narrow at the top. The reason is because when, sur- when surveyors were surveying the Idaho Montana line. They had gotten like most of the, I can't remember what, there was some stopping point where like it was a milestone, and so they had a little party, the surveying team, and got a little bit drunk, and then the next morning continued on and followed the wrong mountain range. <laughs> and that's why Idaho was really narrow at the top. It was supposed to be much bigger, but they followed the wrong mountain range
0: down. That's hilarious. <laughs> wow. Well, I can see why you wouldn't trust it, but what we <laughs> what we do have here is official surveyor documents owned by Peter Klein uh, and Rich Jake and the whole Klein family, showing that their territory was legitimate and bought or whatever. And all we have with devil, on Devil Ants' side is what Devil Ants thinks is his. <laughs> so this is a classic case of sort of accusing your opponent of doing the bad thing that you're actually doing. Perry Klein and all the McCoys start to look like timber stealing, hog stealing jerks, literally only because Devil Ants poisoned the well with a false narrative that said the Kleins were stealing from him. So Devil Lance filed a countersuit accusing Perry Klein of stealing timber on his land because he thought it was his. And because he had massive influence in the area, because he was the patriarch of one of the largest families in the area, the court decided in Devil Lance's favor. They said, yeah, Perry Klein was stealing timber off your property and was damaging your business. Um, and Perry Klein was now seen as being guilty of this crime of stealing timber. And it seemed appropriate to the court to award all 5,000 acres of the Klein's family land to Devil Ants and the Hatfield clan as damages.
1: Damn, that's, uh. I don't know if that's necessarily proportionate.
0: Yeah. <laughs> How much timber was stolen, I don't know. Anyway, so the Hatfields get five thousand acres of land. Um, they basically just give it to themselves, and Perry Klein is forced to move out of his own homestead, and all his all his uh, siblings forced to move out of their sort of their family's land that had been theirs for generations. Wow! And, and of...
1: I thought our legal system was supposed to be fair and impartial. Stop! Stop breaking my naive assumptions about American society, Aaron. <laughs>
0: Don't worry, it gets worse. So, <laughs> so the Kleins uh, are the, the biggest missing piece in this story. And they started intermarrying with, uh, with the McCoys because they literally had nowhere else to go, basically. Um, also, so Perry Klein's sister, Martha, was married to one Asa McCoy. And Asa McCoy, as we mentioned earlier, was killed by Devil Ants, allegedly. So, uh, let's sum up what we have so far in this bullshit story from American history. The authorized story about the Hatfields and the McCoys is that they were mere idiot hillbillies who got in a fight over a pig. And that makes for great press, movies, and lots of stuff. It's like, "Uh uh-huh, look at the hillbillies fighting over a pig, der But when we dig deeper, it becomes clear that the root of all this hatred is corruption within the legal system. The Klein family, almost never mentioned in discussion about the Hatfield-McCoy story, turns out to be the most important element in the whole goddamn circus. This is why, about halfway through researching this, I started to get really pissed off at the official narrative. And George can attest that I was texting him a week ago about he, he how stupid really this He really was. Shit.
1: He really was.
0: It's, it's stupid. So, because it, it makes no sense without the Klein factor, factor. The story is portrayed, again, as just a feud between two families who all hated each other because they were drunk hillbillies or some shit, when in reality, Devilance Hatfield was the instigator of all of it, from 1882 to 1887, the Hatfield Cabal operated completely free of legal repercussions, stealing and profiting from uh, Klein and McCoy property claims, and building their timber empire, you might say, um, all while fucking over the McCoys, uh, the McCoys, the McCoys, and then telling everyone that the McCoys were the problem. So, just awful. But this all changed in 1887 when Perry Klein somehow, man, it had to, he had to go to the very top. He had to go to the fucking governor of Kentucky to ask someone to step in and do something. So the, that's when the governor was like, holy shit, like, I didn't realize he was that bad. So governor puts out a bounty on Devil Lance's head on murder charges, which attracted all kinds of lawmen or, you know, back in the day, lots of mercenaries and things. Uh, who were now convinced that Devilance had to be put down. Um, a little money goes a long way, it turns out, because Devilance quickly became aware of this new threat and started to make preparations. And by preparations, I mean he was preparing for war. Devilance roused all the Hatfields and put the word out that the McCoys had to go. Now, to a man, all the McCoys had to die, or the whole Timber Empire would come crumbling down and they were all going to go to prison. If any of McCoys were allowed to go on breathing, these murder charges would never go away, and many of the Hatfields, including Devil Ants himself, would eventually be caught by the law and hanged. This would obviously be bad for business, and could, couldn't be allowed. I mean, clearly. as you might clearly. imagine. Clearly, clearly not. Yeah. <clears throat> so the Hatfields mobilized and conducted a raid on the McCoy homestead on New Year's Day, 1888. On these, all these special days, that's when, it's election day, it's New Year's Day, it's fucking Christmas, like, you know, ugh. Alright, so with the whole McCoy family asleep in their home, the Hatfields surrounded the building, raised their rifles, and opened fire. In the chaos, one Hatfield managed to set the whole building on fire, which drove the McCoys out of their burning home, and into the gunfire of the waiting Hatfields.
1: Wow! Did, did the like the Hatfields go on to uh, found the FBI? Because these are some surprisingly familiar tactics.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're hitting me with all the all the all the, the uh, anti-government jokes today. <laughs> Hilarious jokes. Um, <laughs> uh, just smile. All right. Uh, so Randall McCoy, or Randolph McCoy, or whatever, managed to escape, but two of his children were shot. And his wife was caught, and beaten nearly to death. And the McCoy children who managed to escape the Hatfields would suffer frostbite in their flight from this danger. So, this event was so bad that it made national news, and that's where the story starts to get muddled up with media frenzy bullshit. A couple of days after the massacre, a posse was formed in Kentucky to hunt and kill Devil Anse and his murderous family. This posse crossed into West Virginia within a week after the killings at the McCoy Homestead. Uh, and the group first caught Jim Vance, who was, of course, Devil Anse's right-hand man and uncle, I think, was, um, who started the uh, the uh, Wildcats. So they find Jim Vance, and he's they're like, you're under arrest! And he's like... Not without a warrant or some shit. And so he draws his gun and, and he gets shot and dies. So news of this spreads quickly. And the Hatfield and Hatfield adjacent communities and preparations were made for a coming siege. Uh, but they were powerless to stop this. Uh, the, the Hatfields, I should say, were powerless to stop this group. Largely because a lot of the people really didn't want to die for devil ants. Uh, it was starting to become nakedly obvious that like this man was... Awful in a lot of ways. So many Hatfields were captured and three were killed while the posse took out the trash, and the Hatfields began to flee to a location where all this began, known as Grapevine Creek, which was part of that land dispute uh, with the Clines. Here they made plans to make war, to defeat the McCoy posse and eventually destroy the entire McCoy family, as they had attempted to do less than a week earlier. So this brings us to what is known as the Battle of Grapevine Creek, which is the culmination of all the bullshit that is the Hatfield-McCoy feud. The Hatfields got word that the McCoys were finally coming to get them and decided that the only solution, the final solution, one might say, was the death of every single member of the McCoy family. They were going, like, full genocidal, like... Like, 100%, there's no way to stop this except by killing every single one of them. And they had already tried to do that, but at this point they were like, yeah, we can't, we're never getting beyond this unless one's family here dies. All of them. So we're, we're, we're hitting, uh, we're, we're hitting the, the pretty much the fever pitch of this, this whole conflict. So the Hatfields began amassing arms and personnel to enact this resolution. Uh, Remember, the Hatfields occupied a lot of law enforcement positions as well, so they had literal cops fighting on their side, if you can call uh, lawmen of the uh, 1880s uh, cops. Um, But they didn't get very far, because assembling the required forces took more time than they had.
1: Ah, people just weren't checking the group, me. We've all been there.
0: Yep, that's exactly right. Checking like,
1: oh, (laughs) ten hours ago there was a message that was supposed to go to
0: Grapevine Creek. oh shit (laughs) damn it (laughs) so they're trying to get ready people aren't reading the group me Um, they didn't have enough time to assemble all the forces they would need to take on a you know government sponsored McCoy posse before they could mobilize and invade McCoy territory they were cut off uh, or they were caught off guard I should say at Grapevine Creek in West Virginia oh man the wind's blowing out there The McCoys managed to lure a bunch of Hatfields out into the open with a small force of their own men, and the Hatfields took the bait, charging in, believing that they had the upper hand. Gunshots were exchanged between the Hatfields and the McCoys, but little came of it. That is, until a larger group of McCoys, the real McCoys, you might say, arrived. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) Hey, I waited this long. I was going to make a joke that I didn't make that joke at the end, but here we are. A larger group of McCoys arrived and flanked the Hatfields. The Hatfields, realizing that they were now fully fucked, began a hasty retreat, but it was too late. They could not escape. So those that were unwounded were arrested, and one deputy who had been fighting for the Hatfield cause was wounded in the battle and was summarily executed by another lawman named Frank Phillips, who was leading the posse after the Hatfields had surrendered. So, if you can imagine <laughs> that. That's not how that's supposed to work. <laughs> He's like, ow, he's he's hurt. It's like, well, what do you do with a horse when the horse is hurt? Well, uh, you shoot it. That's right. Bang. So yeah, that's kind of a pretty uh, dark section there. But that's the Battle of Grapevine Creek. Um, All of the Hatfields who were involved in this battle were captured and put on trial literally for murder. Uh, This resulted in seven Hatfields and Hatfield adjacents receiving life sentences for their crimes and resulted also in one being hanged, and that guy got fucked hard. He wasn't even a Hatfield. He just like he thought confessing would get him off, like get him off the hook. Like, yeah, I was there when we stormed the the uh, McCoy homestead, and like I shot at people, but I, you know, I was involved, but I didn't kill anybody. And so after making the confession, they said, "Yeah, so your life is on the line now." And he goes, "Wait, what? I thought confessing would get me out of it." And they're like, "No, actually, and now you're the only person who's going to get the rope." <laughs>
1: See, this is why you never talk to cops.
0: That's... (laughs) To all the cops listening, uh, we back the badge. (laughs) I don't think any cops listen to this show, man. (laughs) For sure not. Uh, So, all the Hatfields were involved in this battle. Um, They were captured, gone, out. But suspiciously, Devil Ants was never tried for any crimes. In fact, following this, he bought an isolated plot of land and began raising hogs. He did carry a rifle with him wherever he went, which was a sure sign of paranoia, but no charges were ever brought to bear against Devil Ants. And he once said during all this, uh, the following, do you, can you do a hill a hillbilly voice? Um. Or a rustic voice?
1: <laughs> not well. Oh. Unless I'm actually in a it naturally comes to me when I am uh, surrounded by my people, but it's, it's, it's hard <laughs> to put one on when I'm not actually talking to people who have it.
0: Well, what voice would you like to read this quote by Devil Ants in?
1: See, how long is the quote? Oh, it's only one line? Yeah. Okay, I'll, get, I'll give it my best. Do my all. I belong to no church unless you say that I belong to the one great church
0: of the world. If you like, you can
1: say it's the Devil's Church that I belong to.
0: <laughs> so that's part of why he was called Devil Ants, because he said he was part of the Devil's Church.
1: That's a little bit weird. I'm—I'll I'm yeah. be honest with you, Chief. That's—that's that's, yeah.
0: Yep. Direct yeah. quote. That's a quote. Um. So yeah, he was like—he was very much the uh, the the you might say Luciferian, uh, corporatist type. He just lived in the woods and looked like a Keebler elf. Um, but wow, anyway, the stu- so
1: the stuff of nightmares. The
0: stuff of nightmares. I can't wait to put that face on the cover for the week. That's going to be hilarious. So anyway, that's that's what he was saying about religion. He belonged to the devil's church. But after 1900 rolled around, he began to speak differently of religion. In 1911, of course, the best year. Um, because oh, yeah, you know, you know why? Two world wars. He, he, yes. No. Yes. <laughs> He was baptized in 1911 and became a devout Christian until his death of pneumonia in 1926 at the age of 81. And that's the end of Devilance's story. Your thoughts before I continue into the newest line that I discovered at the end.
1: I'm just kind of surprised he hadn't been baptized before that. Like, you know, being that he was a family that, you know, even like had preachers in it and stuff, I'm just surprised that at no point had he been baptized.
0: Yeah. I guess, I guess he, uh, maybe he did it again to wash away the sin. <laughs> maybe. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> this is clearly a horrifying story. Devilance basically got a whole bunch of people killed because he claimed some land was his that was never legally his. There's a whole paper trail about it on the Klein Family Association website where you can find extensive docum- uh, documentation, documentation. Of the bullshit lawsuits that Devil Ants was filing against the Kleins. It was like twenty years of legal nonsense with a smattering of violence and child murder and oh, somehow... wait, wait,
1: when was the child murder?
0: I believe that the uh the children were killed at the uh homestead. The oh. two children killed. Oh, I don't wow. know how old they were, so maybe it wasn't exactly child murder, but it was it was still family, you know. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and I'm trying to be as uh, salacious as possible because I am a I'm really Hollywood. I'm just another Hollywood. So anyway, um, somehow, still, the popular version of the story is that both sides were equally culpable and that both sides were simply hillbillies. In fact, this is something I wanted to dig into for a long time is hillbillies in pop culture. And I thought this this was a good opportunity to talk about it. So the pop culture surrounding this feud is absolutely disgusting. Uh, From the time of the of the feud until now, the narrative surrounding the sequence of events has been reimagined and revamped to be simpler and more digestible. And it's really one of the only reasons I even dug into this story to begin with, because my perception of the Hatfield-McCoy feud was built entirely by popular media, movies, and television shows. In fact, the the whole reason I investigated this insanity was because it seemed too good to be true. A couple of redneck families killing each other for years over a hog? Sign me right the fuck up. That's a podcast right there. Classic. Problem is. Yeah, right? The problem is. The version we have now is pure Reddit level. Today I learned sensationalist garbage. It is too good to be true. It's just like Wyatt Earp. The version we have is that Johnny Law put the clamp down on the mean old Clanton boys. But when you dig a little deeper on the whole Wyatt Earp story, you find out that, holy shit, the media has it all exactly wrong AGAIN!
1: I'm noticing a very disturbing pattern here.
0: Very disturbing pat. very disturbing pattern indeed. Uh, my illustrious gentle sir. This is- this is... We must- we must- we must talk about this. It- it's the conversation that must be had. So, in the case of the Hatfields and McCoys, Uh, The perversion is just a little bit more insidious. Um, Maybe not more than Wyatt Earp, but it's more insidious than most of these, like, weird-ass revisionist versions of the past. It went from the fact of Devil Ants just being an asshole to a family, trying to do their own thing on their own land that was theirs, uh, to... it, It went from that to literally just, Hillbillies are dumb, lol, look at them shooting each other over a pig. The actual story is nothing like that. Nonetheless people profit from the idiocy of the hillbilly narrative, including the Hatfields and McCoys themselves. In 1979, members of the Hatfield and McCoy families appeared on the show Family Feud, which of course got its name from their squabble to begin with. And they used the historical feud to win money. And a literal pig that was right there on the stage the whole game. That's amazing. Right? Um, There's a huge Hatfield and McCoy tourism market that became big around the year 2000 for some reason and we'll find out that reason here in just a couple minutes. There's parks, there's trails, self-guided tours, all kinds of stuff. There's like DVDs you can get. Stuff that just pops up around 2000 into 2003 around the Hatfield and McCoy feud. It became cartoonish, sterilized and boomerfied much like Wyatt Earp. It's just Okay, so just uh are you in the document? I'm in, oh, I'm in the document. I'm always okay. in the document. So, uh, let me read this next paragraph and then I want you to react to the image in there. A live show emerged from the hills of neither Kentucky or Virginia, but Tennessee, called the Hatfield and McCoy Dinner Show, where people who are unrelated to anyone in the feud at all profit by dressing up in overalls and acting like hillbillies, stereotypical hillbillies. So, if if you would please uh, react to the image that you see in the document below.
1: That's amazing. Um yeah, I truly don't really have any words it's uh obviously yeah the, a theme park stage and setup for the uh Hatfield McCoy dinner show and Hatfield <laughs> is on one side of the building on uh, one side of the main door McCoy is on the other and uh, they're written in these awful like cartoony fonts like I honestly look like a, I feel like I'm looking at something from Looney Tunes It's yeah. tr- truly heinous
0: yeah the um but like look at the buildings they're like cartoonish hillbilly houses Right? They, like, sag.
1: Yep. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like I said, Looney Tunes.
0: Yeah. And the, uh, it, it's, well, you're right. It's Looney Tunes. You've even got the hanging box up there um, that the Looney Tunes cut the rope and it, like, falls on people. Like, oh, yeah. look at that.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Hatfields and
0: McCoys. Two different houses on the side of a large barn. Two different entrances. One for Hatfields, one for McCoys. And then a box that falls on you in the middle. So uh, the dinner show, I, I came to find out, um, this uh, this Hatfield and McCoy dinner show, is owned by a company called the Dollywood Company, which, if you don't know, down in that uh, that area of the world, Dollywood is like a really big thing. So there's like Dolly Land or Dolly World. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. Um, all this all this yeah. stuff, and of course, this is all in part owned by Dolly Parton. But this is also one part of what's called the Hershend Family Entertainment Company. And this company's slogan is and I quote, create memories worth repeating. Which is exactly what they do. <laughs> they create a memory uh, of a cartoonish, backwards ass hillbilly world and repeat it ad nauseum, in this case, The stereotypical corncob pipe smoking, overall wearing moonshining, my britches won't stay up, my outhouse door got blown open, I play the washboard with mama's old hairbrush, dumb as fuck hillbilly. That's amazing since, you know, that it
1: completely excises the fact that what this really boils down to, like you said, is malfeasance within the legal system is what this all got going and they've just completely excised the part that, you know, the literal corruption within government institutions is what allowed all this to happen.
0: Yes. That's exactly right. Just like Wyatt Earp got turned into some kind of lawman hero in the Old West, the Hatfields McCoys got turned into another tool to make money. In 1969, The Beverly Hillbillies, a popular show about hillbillies, well... Uh, They filmed five episodes at Dollywood, and of course, the whole Beverly Hillbillies thing is a nightmare in itself. It's literally an entire show about Hollywood people sneering at people who can only afford a Model T. um, Because, you know, they're they're just backwards ass, you know, shooting up some food. And up from the ground came the bubbling crude oil, that is. Black gold. Texas tea. Um, You know know the movie, the show Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How long do you think it is until they reboot it? Wait, let me see if they're already rebooting it. God, I hope not. You might... Beverly. Come on. Oh, they already did it. They Oh, no. They they made a movie. Oh, when? 1993. God, I'm glad I didn't know about that. Oh, well, I'm sorry, but... Oh, yuck. I can't even look at this shit. Oh. Oh, <laughs> who's in oh. it?
1: Anyone famous?
0: Oh, yes. Uh you have your uh what's his name? Earl Jim Varney? Or er, his Ernest. Remember the Ernest movies? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He he was the he played uh Jed Clampett. Um God, I hate this shit so much. Oh. <laughs> oh, uh, Dolly Parton's in it as Dolly Parton. Okay. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh god, that's amazing. So, okay, uh, where am I? Where am I? Where's my document? Dang it. Where is my document? There it is. Okay, <clears throat> so in 2003 the Hatfields and the McCoys, to much media fanfare, declared an official truth- uh, truce between their families in order to send a, a quote, send a broader message to the world that when national security is at risk, Americans put their differences aside and stand united. Sounds like propaganda, but okay. That's what it is, dude. So, next quote. We're not saying you don't have to fight, because sometimes you do have to fight, but you don't have to fight forever. And the official truce reads, We ask by God's grace and love that we be forever remembered as those that bound together the hearts of two families to form a family of freedom in America. And then Your the, thoughts.
1: And then the Patriot Act was passed.
0: Hmm. Wow. This is truly heinous. I know. Isn't this it is weird? Interesting? Like in 2000, early 2000, around 2001, the Hatfields and the fucking McCoys were used to justify a war? Like, shit, man. So, in the light of the facts of this feud, That reduction of the story to this trite false virtue is absolutely revolting in its own right. The Hatfields murdered each other, or murdered uh, McCoy family members, children or no, because they wanted to grow their timber business on land that wasn't theirs. And sure, let's all stand together and hold hands and sing kumbaya over the popularized myth of the hillbillies who killed each other over a hog, because that's what America is all about after all. You know, they made a movie in the late 40s portraying a Hollywood version of that love story between Rosanna McCoy, Johns Hatfield, and um, they made a movie that was showing the feud as just a silly thing that gets in the way of true love. Ah, not even the murder of our own family members can keep us from falling in love, right? Right. Right. The movie was produced by RKO uh, Pictures, which is a now-defunct film company whose parent company was the Atlas Corporation, an investment firm with ties to to the rubber and oil industries. RKO was acquired the year before the production of this Rosanna McCoy movie by none other than Howard Hughes. You know, the rich aviator who often spent weeks literally whacking off to his own movies in his own personal theater that RKO produced. That guy? Yeah, the starring role in this movie was played by a newcomer named Joanne Evans, an alleged 16-year-old girl who was actually, uh-oh, no way to know, 14 years old at the time of the film. I need James to be here so I he can scream about this. <clears throat> a miniseries <clears throat> called uh, Hatfields and McCoys was made starring none other than Kevin Costner, who also hilariously enough played Wyatt Earp in his 1994 movie. From May 28th through the 30th, 2012, the History Channel released this series starring Kevin Costner as Devil Ants Hatfield. The miniseries set the record as the most watched entertainment telecast in the history of cable television. And of course, we know who owns the History Channel. Disney, which has worked long and hard at its task of manipulating and mis, mis-, mis- historical events and figures and continues to do so today. And yes, I'm mad. Wow,
1: this is, you're really trying to like make me fo- go full Dale Gribble, aren't you?
0: Who the fuck is that?
1: From from King of the Hill.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't watch that show. It's about hillbillies.
1: No, it's not. It's about
0: people in Texas suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> people
1: in Texas suburbs,
0: actually. Oh, that's funny. Um I don't know. I wanted to keep digging, but then I just had to stop. <laughs> Cause it it literally comes down to like the same guy played the same two people that are so misportrayed and misrepresented. And used to prop up like cowboy culture, hillbilly culture, you know, Dolly World, that kind of shit. It's this, it's like the. It's. I don't know how to put it. It just grosses me out so much. Right? I mean. Oh,
1: yeah, no, no. Absolutely right. What is it? <sighs> Mass
0: media was a mistake. Yeah, it really was.
1: Uh <sighs>
0: So the hillbilly thing, why does that piss you off so much?
1: Oh, just just because um I come from a area which has a long history of being uh derided and looked down upon by our nearest large city. Mm hmm. So You're used to it. Yep. But Plus it also seems, yeah. they're losers anyway.
0: They are. I mean they live in a city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who fucking uh, does that? Uh, who does that these days? I feel like that's a that's a that's a personal problem. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so um, I I think I want to keep digging on this one because this whole like Dolly World thing just took me by complete surprise. Like I'd heard about it, but I didn't realize it was like part of a larger media empire. Like very naively, didn't realize that it was part of a largely media empire. But I just find that slogan of that fucking company, um. Creating memories. Creating memories. And Yeah, um, that's uh
1: it's kind of hmm, gives me the shivers.
0: What was the what was it exactly Create memories worth repeating. Yeah, as opposed to memories that aren't worth repeating, you know, maybe real ones. Ugh. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. James, we need you back. (laughs) Ugh. Okay, well. All that being said, did you have anything you wanted to say to close us out or shall we head up to the surface and end this thing early?
1: Yeah, no. I I'm, I'm I don't really have anything to say. I'm just kind of still processing all this cuz yeah, this is uh, this is amazing. Um, you know, not exactly surprising once uh, I think as both of us have done one uh starts to ask some pretty hard questions about media in this country. So, not exactly surprising, but absolutely fucking disgusting, like you said. Nonetheless. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I'm just processing.
0: I think um uh... When I said it's like boomerfied, what I mean is like it's turned into gas station shit, where it's like you gotta you got a uh, you know a bumper sticker that says, you know, <coughs> you know I love being Texan, something like that, or like America, fuck yeah, like that kind of shit, like that really really commercialized, like 7-Eleven level sh- shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like that. Ugh. Ugh. Oh wait, you know, hang on before we before we close out here. I want to show you one more picture of the Hatfield and McCoy dinner show. Let me go see if I can pull that up real quick.
1: Please, God, no!
0: Uh, you're gonna love this. Uh, Hatfield McCoy feud. Aha! Yes, yes, here it is. Uh, all shall love me in despair. <laughs> Come on, copy image. Let's see here, boom. Uh. Oh, I posted a link instead of the actual image. Copy the image link. Amateur hour over here. Whoops. Can you follow the link? Or are you too much of an amateur?
1: It's not even hyperlinked. I have to copy and paste them. (laughs) What is this, like 1999?
0: I'm making you suffer. This is... Okay. This is the dinner show.
1: Okay, okay. I'm going, I'm going. So I take it the the Hatfield sausages had nothing to do with this.
0: The what now? No, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Oh, wow. That's that's uh that's a thing.
0: Doesn't that hurt? They got just like tools nailed to the side of a red barn, a girl with a headset wearing like cheetah spotted boots, cowboy boots.
1: And a really fat man with a banjo.
0: And overalls, of course. And
1: overalls, naturally.
0: Yeah. Wow. Doesn't it hurt? It hurts, doesn't it? Oh.
1: <laughs> wow, yeah, I don't I don't see anyone in uniform despite the fact that many of the uh the villains of this story were technically legal officials. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't see any badges there. That's weird.
0: Well, let me show you one more picture of the actual uh
2: Hatfields.
0: I'll post the picture this time. Check it out. Look how tall those guys were. Oh, wow. Yeah, those are some sizable,
1: sizable miscreants. <laughs> yeah, they, but they don't look like hillbillies, do they? No, no, they they look pretty much like I think everyone looked in the 1880s.
0: Yeah, bearded and mad.
1: <laughs> Mustached, a lot of mustaches.
0: Look at that kid. There's like a six-year-old with a pistol on the right.
1: Oh, there, there he is. There he <laughs> is. How'd you get a hold of my childhood photos?
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. oh there's
1: Lookie. a dog oh there's a dog too this would be reddit approved yep doggo
0: doggo <laughs> Hoggo. uh well oh my gosh now look at that little girl on the right on the porch she looks like she's 50 it's she, like she does um <laughs> yeah that's just amazing okay yeah I-, I like how the I like this picture a lot better than the other one. But anyway, I think that's, that's going to have to do it. I have to think so. Up to the surface, but uh, yeah. I think, uh, I think with that, we should let out a rebel yell <laughs> and be on our way. Yeah, and it's a snowman. <laughs> I don't know. It's just there. I don't know where it came from. Tell me, if you were going to bastardize a historical narrative for money, what narrative would that be, and how far would you go?
1: Well, I mean, that, that's a hard question. Do I have to pick one that hasn't already been bastardized for money? Because, um...
0: All of them have?
1: That's, I was going to say, that's a, that's a hard thing to pick, you know. Hmm. have to find something that's not already been marketed. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, Wyatt Earp, obviously. Everything to do with the Indian Wars. Basically all wars the US has ever been in. Um hmm. obviously the Vikings. Yeah. No, I'm I'm trying to think of something that has not been bastardized for money, and I'm really struggling here.
0: God. Yeah, now that now that I think about it. Uh you have to get into like like uh like weird alternate history kind of shit to even get close to something that hasn't been just sold out constantly
1: or like something like maybe bronze age or before like i don't know has the history of the hittite empire in the second millennium bc has that has that been bastardized for money yet
0: uh i don't think so oh, i okay. think that one's that's a,
1: okay hittites mark me down i'm taking hittites and i'm gonna bastardize the historical narrative for money nice i think that's that put me down on that so make sure nobody else takes that before i get around to it
0: all right, I'll well, file a patent.
1: Yeah, please do. And what about you, Aaron? What historical narrative are you going to bastardize for money?
0: Uh, I am going to bastardize my own historical narrative and write a self-help book.
1: Oh, perfect. <laughs> then are go you... on a lecture tour. we okay, well, make sure you become a influencer first.
0: Oh, yes, of course. I want to become or an influencer.
1: perhaps even, dare I say it, an entrepreneur
0: oh oh my god now you're talking about work i don't want to work
1: don't worry they don't either <laughs> that's why they're entrepreneurs
0: that's right well i think it's time to bring the show to an end for today if you hate us you're probably an entrepreneur so consider funding our show by becoming a patreon or a patron on patreon.com <laughs> uh, uh, james made that mistake all the time and uh it bled it it, it rubbed off on me if Patreon is not your thing, drop us a little tip in Venmo. That's at W-T-A-D-P. That's at W-T-A-D-P. We need the money. Give it to us and not to, uh, not to Dolly World. <laughs> Our cover art was created by Ian Patterson, Ian Patterson Illustration. You can view more of his wonderfully whimsical work at www.ipattersonillustration.com. And with all that being said, we'll close out and let them damn hillbillies play you out.
2: In the deep, dark hills of eastern Kentucky The place where I traced my bloodline It was there that I read on a hillside gravestone You'll never leave Harlan alive Sun goes down about three in the day, and you fill your cup with the bitter brew you're drinking, and you spend your time just figuring out. No. About ten in the morning, the sun goes out, about three in the day, and you fill your cup with the bitter brew you're drinking, and you spend your time just picking. Now times they got tough, Tobacco wasn't selling. Grandpa knew what he had to do to survive. So he ducked for Harlan Cole, sent the money back home to Grandma. But he never left Harlan alive. And the sun comes up about ten in the morning sun goes down about three in a day. And you fill your cup with the bitter brew you drink drinking. And you spend your time digging cold from the bottom of the